Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. I feel like these last couple of weeks we've led to the message I want to share with you today. And it's a message I really believe that it's just a flow on from last week, Faith, Love, Hope, and, and something I'll, I'll continue on over the coming weeks as well. But I, I really feel like God's just trying to challenge again just that depth of faith in our hearts and our lives and an expectation that God does great things in us and through us. An expectation that we serve, listen, we don't serve a small God, we serve a miracle working God. We don't serve a limited God, we serve an unlimited God in our hearts and our lives. And I feel like this morning, before we walk out of this room, someone's heart and mind is going to be shifted in faith. I feel like, Deb, you already started to touch on that as you, as you spoke into people's worlds about the reality that He loves you and He wants to do great things in you and He's a powerful and a profound God that we serve and we worship. And today I really feel like God's speaking about that. But let me just start off with a, a spearfishing story, if I may. If you don't know me, I love diving and spearfishing and I, and I do that a little bit. And um, listen, a, a couple of years ago, I, I, I was spearfishing with a friend of mine uh, who actually now lives overseas, and, and we're spearfishing together just off, uh, just north of Brisbane. And uh, we went to a place that I'd never been to before. Uh, I, I'd, I'd, I'd driven out there, and I was, I was using a G, uh, sounder and GPS looking for uh, a small amount of rock that holds these incredible fish called pearl perch. If you've ever eaten a pearl perch, you would know. They are one of the yummiest fish in the entire ocean. They are sweet and they are yummy. They've got white fillets. Uh, they're very easy to spear. They're just really hard to find. And uh, we're looking for this place and my friend had talked to me about it. And so we went out and we're about 40 to 50 kilometres offshore. And we were sounding around in my boat in 50 metres of water. Now, if you don't know how deep 50 metres of water is, the roof here is about 4 metres. So times that by 12 and we were sounding around in 50 metres of water, of which I was looking for pearl perch that I could take a breath, free dive down, and spear one of those fish. Sound around, and we found really good life on the bottom, and I said, this is a spot that I'm going to dive, I'm going to dive down this place. I'd never been there before, I didn't know what was on the bottom, other than what I'd seen on my sounder, it just showed me that there was lots of big fish, I could see them on the sounder, so I'm going to dive down in this spot. Uh, I was on the surface, I breathed out, preparing myself to dive. And listen, I've got to be honest with you, in my head, I'm thinking, I had to dive 50 metres, I never dove here before. It was probably just you know, struggling a little bit in my head. I'm just relaxed, breathe up. And I dove. I started diving down and I got to about 20 metres. And listen, I can't see the bottom at all, but I get to about 20 metres. And at 20 metres, I ran into what's known as a thermocline. And a thermocline is a temperature change in the water that usually... Is, is also a change in visibility. On the surface, the water wasn't real clean. It was probably 15 metres visibility. At 20 metres, I swam into cold water that now, if I put my hand in front of my face, I can actually barely see my hand. I'll be honest, at that moment, I was like, I should just turn around and go back to the surface. <laughs> That's what I was thinking in my head. But then I'm like, just... Don't think about that. Just close your eyes. It's going to get cleaner on the bottom. It's going to get cleaner on the bottom. Often times that happens. It's that middle layer where the, the hot and, and cold water mix. There's like a, a big nutrient-rich area and explosion of nutrients. You get dirty there and it sometimes it's cleaner. Sometimes it's cleaner on the bottom. So I actually just 
actually said to myself, just close your eyes. So I just closed my eyes and I kept on swimming down. Can I just tell you, there is a massive challenge that goes on in your head when you're closing your eyes in water that's filthy, just swimming to the bottom. And I just close my eyes and I just swim and I'm just counting my, my fin strokes, trying to stay calm. And I'm just saying to myself, stay calm, stay calm, just relax. Your, your body, at, at like 30 meters, your body's starting to get crushed and, you can, and your lungs that were this big are now about this big and you're getting squished. And I opened my eyes at 30 meters and got actually colder. I opened my eyes and it was clear. I was all of a sudden in clearer water. It was dark because there was a dirty layer in the middle, but it was a bit clearer. And I just lifted my head as I was heading down and I couldn't quite make out the bottom, but I could start to make out fish. And I just tucked my head back in and just kept on fitting so I could get closer to the bottom to actually make out what those fish were. Tuck my head back in. You know, there's a whole thing that goes on in your head when you're going through that. Listen, you, you probably understand this, but, or don't necessarily in the spearfishing setting of that. But in your head, there's this going on. I've seen about 10,000 sharks in my life. I wonder if I'm about to bump into one of them. Which usually leads to, what if a whale's swimming under me and I bump into a whale? Which usually leads to, like, what if the Loch Ness Monster's swimming underneath me right now and I bump into the Loch Ness Monster into this thing because I'm not looking where I'm going and my head's tucked in and I'm just trying to relax and I'm trying not to think about the fact that I'm getting crushed by the ocean right now. And then I look up and I see this massive pearl perch swim in front of me. The, Aussie, the, the Queensland record stood since 1964 was 2.7 kilos. I see this big pearl perch. I'm like, that's a monster. Bang. I shoot that pearl perch at 53 meters. And then I swim back to the surface. I pull that pearl perch up to the surface, weighed it later. It was three and a half kilos. So I beat the Queensland record. It was long standing. Listen, listen. That is the reward of faith. Hear me out here. Hear me out here. Listen, faith is outworked when you can't see the reward at the end. Faith is outworked when we sow and we're not sure what's coming tomorrow. Faith is outworked when we pledge to, to serve God and we don't know what's about to happen in the world around us and the situations that go on. Faith is the thing that is activated in us when we stand and say, God, you are the one that brings promises to my life in amongst a world that's not promising me anything. It's faith. Listen, at that moment, going through that dirty water, it's, it's faith that says, listen, I've seen what's on the sound of what's down there. I know what's down there. I'm going to shoot the fish that's down there. It's faith that says, listen, I, I've done this before many, many times, and, and I know it's going to work out okay. And listen, this is the journey that we have. Hebrews chapter 11 speaks of a guy by the name of Joseph. And it doesn't speak of Joseph in the middle of his journey. It in fact speaks to Joseph at the end of his journey. And it says, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave them instructions concerning his bones. You know, I read through the book of Hebrews and there's an amazing bunch of men and women that were spoken about through the book of Hebrews, and it speaks about men and women of faith, and it says some incredible stuff. And, and, and when we read through the different pictures we see of faith, and we, we read through the different men and women, and if you know your Bible, you know the stories of the Bible, you know the great things that these people did, and you look at the story of Joseph, and you look at what the writer of Hebrews hinges Joseph's faith upon. Listen, it doesn't say by faith, Joseph, when he was cast out by his brothers, 
kept holding on to the dream. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say by faith, Joseph, when he was in a, in a slave camp, that he was believing that God would make him a king. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say by faith, Joseph, when everyone else had betrayed him, stayed holding on to the dream. I, you know, if I was the writer of Hebrews, I probably would have written that. But it doesn't. It says this, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, looked ahead and by faith saw what he could not see. This is what he said. If we go in the story, we have to jump back to Genesis. We go back to the book of Genesis. Here is Joseph. His father has died. He himself is dying. His brothers are standing beside him. And he makes his statement. He says this. He says, listen, God hasn't visited us yet, but God will visit us in the future. And I don't want my bones buried here in Egypt. I want you to take my bones and I want you to bury them all the way back in the promised land where God had promised us to be. It's a powerful statement of faith. Listen, that statement of faith to me speaks to the reality that we need to have faith when we can't see the outcome. Where did he see the outcome? He only saw the outcome in the realisation of the promise that God had given his great-grandfather. It was a promise of faith for his his own life was a promise of faith for his children's life and it was a promise of faith for the whole people and children of Israel. It was a powerful promise of faith. And listen, here at City Point West over these last couple of months, we've been looking at the promise that was given to Abraham. We've been looking at the reality of what that promise meant to Abraham. But now we jump on generations to another man that still holds on to the same promise. A promise that he can't see. A promise that's powerful. And again, let me pick it up in Genesis chapter 50. In verse 25, Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, him being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. You know, I read this story, and I think about the reality that God wants us to have faith when we can't see the outcome. And in this story, I've got four pictures for you. Four pictures for me and four pictures for our life. How we hold on to faith when we can't see the outcome, when we can't see what was at work for our lives. Who's ready for this? You ready? I want to give you four real clear things. Listen, Joseph could be filled with faith because he knew what the promise of God was. Joseph was filled with faith because he knew that God arrived and spoke to his great-grandfather and said, listen, what you look right now, what you see right now, where your feet stand will be your land and will be your promise. But you right now have to live as a sojourner because for the next 400 years, the children of Israel, your children won't inherit that. But after 400 years, they will return. Listen, we skip forward a couple of generations, a few hundred years. We see a guy by the name of Joseph now who knew what that promise was to his great-grandfather. And I want to just say today, if you want to learn how to hold on in faith when you can't see the outcome, the very first thing you need to do is you actually need to know what the promises of God are for your life. Listen, don't walk into City Point West and say, yes, amen, Pastor Tim, but have no idea of what the promises of God are for you. Don't sit through faith, love and hope and we talk and you give and you sow, yet you don't know what you're attaching your faith and your promises to. 
Listen, you can come and bring up a prayer request right here and just stick it up on, on, on the cross and go, that's great, that's awesome. But not attach your faith to some promises for your life. Listen, we live in a biblically illiterate Christian generation. We, we live in a post-children's church generation. My, my father's generation, they, they grew up in Sunday school. Even heathens went to Sunday school in my dad's generation. Listen, we have Christians growing up today that have never read the Bible. Yes, they come to church. They love the experience of worship. They're grateful for Pastor Chardon worship leading. And they love to, to have Deb stand here and leading them because they don't know what promises God has actually put for their life. Because this little book right here is an ornament for their, for their mantelpiece and not something they've devoured and let the promises actually get deep on the inside of you. Listen, listen, I'm not shouting out to Christians in the room that maybe aren't reading your Bibles enough, but maybe I am a little bit today. Because listen, if you don't know the promises in this book, you live a powerless Christian journey. The promises in this book are where we hinge and attach our faith. If I don't know what the Word of God speaks for my life, I don't know what the Word of God's saying for me. My faith is all over the place. And when I go through challenge, I, I'm not actually sure what I'm hanging my, my faith onto. It's the promises of God. Listen, if you're young in faith and you're not sure what God's saying to you, take your Bible and read this thing every single day. If you're saying, Pastor Tim, I'm not a great reader. If you're saying, Pastor Tim, I'm not sure and I don't understand it. Listen, get around somebody that can help you understand it. Listen, we have a church filled with men and women of faith. We've got incredible people of faith in the room that know and love the Word of God, understand the Word of God. And I'm telling you, they would love to walk beside you and help you understand it. Great men and women of faith. We've got life group leaders that love walking people through the Word of God, love helping you. If you struggle in that, listen, get in and say, somebody help me. Because there's no use trying to hold faith if you don't know what you're holding faith to. It's the promises of God. Listen, Joseph held on to the reality that God had promised his great-grandfather and now he turns to his children and he says, children, I'm going to die, but I don't want my bones to be here. God will visit you. God promised that he would visit us. He spoke to great-grandfather and he said, we'll be sojourners and we're sojourners. We're in Egypt and this is not our promised land. Our promised land lays afar off and I can see it, not in the natural, I can see it with my mind's eye, my spiritual understanding of God's promise for my life. Listen, this book is not good for Mantelpiece City. This book is made for reading, for grasping, for devouring for letting the Word of God get inside of me so I know the promises of God. I know what I'm attaching myself to. I know what I'm hinging my life upon because I promise you this, in troubled times, if the Word of God's not inside of you and the promises aren't clear to you, you have no idea what you're holding on to. It's sad for me to see believers in this generation that are happy just being Christians, happy just getting through life barely, Happy to have Jesus as the one that they shout out to when things absolutely suck and I need a helping hand. And I'm grateful that we have Jesus for that. But listen, there's something bigger than that. And this morning in the prayer meeting, Dad made a statement and it was profound. He said this, hey, listen, it's hard to pray when you're feeling sick. 
listen, you need to be praying beforehand and holding on to God's promises beforehand. Because when you feel sick, if you haven't held on beforehand, listen, when you feel sick, you feel way too sick to be praying. What are the promises that God has for your future? What are they? Listen, my, my diving uh, picture for you, my, my depth sounder was prophetic about what was on that bottom. And listen, this Word of God is prophetic about your future. And if you don't know what it is saying for you, I can tell you the world will be telling you a bunch of stuff and you will know that. And when you go through challenges, yeah, the world's words for you will also be prophetic because they will speak into the mess of your life. They will speak clearly into the brokenness of your world. And if you dwell on that and you live on that, that will be prophetically what you know and understand. We have to know what God has said. What has He said for you? What has He said in your life? Secondly, once we know what God speaks to us, then we pin our faith in that word. What was Joseph's response right there? He said this, Surely God is going to come and visit us. Then you're going to take my bones and you're going to take them back to the promised land. This is what he pinned his faith on. He pinned his faith on what he knew God had said. Listen, he didn't just pin his faith. He pinned his bones on that. He said, this is where I don't want to stay. Listen, I am here because God took what was for bad and he turned it into good. This is what God did for my life. But I don't want to stay here. Faith tells me my bones aren't going to be buried here. Faith tells me that we have a future that's different to this. I can't see it. I don't see it in the natural, but faith tells me something else has happened in my life. Listen, once you know what God has said for you, when you're devouring the Word of God, when He's speaking through His Word, He's given you the rema now for your life, pin your faith to that. Pin your faith to His promises. Here He is. He'd seen the reality of what had happened as His father and His grandfather had pinned the promises, their hope to the promises of his great-grandfather. Now he stands here himself, pinning his faith right there. I am grateful for my family line. I'm grateful for the fact that I can pin my faith on a great father in the faith, grandfathers and grandmothers that love Jesus Christ, great-grandfathers that love Jesus Christ, great-great-grandfather. I am grateful for that line and my kids that follow after me pin themselves again to that same faith. But listen, if I only had my dad's faith and it didn't become my own faith, it would be a little weak. Can you imagine Joseph going, oh, I think great-grandfather said we're going back to the promised land. Maybe God is going to visit us. Maybe if He does, you know, just keep my bones in case. That's not what He said. He said, surely God's going to come and visit because my grandfather's faith's become my own. It's washed through my father. It's washed now into my life. And I now carry my own faith. And surely God's going to visit us. And do not leave my bones in this place. Because I'm not staying here. I'm not staying in my mess. Listen, that's for somebody right now. I'm not staying here. I'm not staying in the mess that I've seen. I'm not staying where everyone else has been. I'm going into what God has for my future. I don't see it in the natural right now. Because in the natural right now, all I see is Egypt. All I see is Pharaoh. All I see is slavery. All I see is the challenge of 400 years. All I see what the difficulty will lie in our lives. But right now, I'm pinning my hope beyond what I see now to what I see in the future. 
and by faith. By faith. By faith. He spoke to his children. He said, we're going to go to something else. Listen, by faith. We're going to pin our faith to something more. Pin our faith to the great promises. Are you pinning your faith to the great promises right now? Because if you are, you may be in the middle of a tough moment. And if you're in that tough moment and your faith is pinned to the promises that you know for your life, your kids will be going in a mess, but you'll be pinning your faith to the fact that God said so clearly to your life, train, train that child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they shall not depart from I pin my faith to the promise of God, the promise of God that was there for my life in your finances right now. Oh, I'm struggling. I don't see the outworking. I gave and I'm standing, but I pin my faith now to the promise that was laid out for Abraham that through Jesus Christ has now been put into my life, inputted, we said and we read in the book of Romans, has now been put inside of me and I hold that promise for my life. It's faith that enlarges us past what we're facing right now into what God has laid out there for our lives. Listen, it's faith that reaches us past that. I remember my grandmother on her deathbed the day before she died. I drove down to Adelaide with my dad and I walked into that room and my grandmother grabbed me by the hair. Yes, hair. (laughs) She pulled me down. She whispered two things. She said this, I've been praying for you. Let me tell you, six months earlier, I had such an powerful encounter with Jesus Christ and I stand on this platform because of that encounter that I had with Jesus Christ she said whispered in my ear I've been praying for you and the second thing she whispered I've been waiting for you a couple of hours later she passed away beautiful beautiful thing a beautiful woman of God and the picture of faith I tell you has encouraged me in many years of my journey to hold on to hold on, to stand. When you don't see it, she prayed for a grandson that may or may not have been a rat bag through a few of those years leading up to that. I'm obviously talking about my brother. <laughs> she didn't whisper that she'd been praying for him. Just that may give you an inkling which grandson she prayed the most for. I've been praying for you. Listen, there is a power in the reality of holding on to that faith, the promises. What promises do you know? What promises have been laid out for you there? What promises do you need to open your spirit to? You need to open your eyes to? You need to read and allow the Word of God speak to? And then you pin yourself to those promises. Thirdly, you need to know that the miracle lies with God visiting. Listen, the promise isn't outworked by you just being awesome. I look around the room and I'm grateful for some awesome people in this room. But let me tell you, as awesome as you are, We serve a more awesome God. And it's that awesome God that I pin my faith to. Listen, if I pin my hope and my faith to Tim McDonald being a good bloke, I'm in trouble. If I pin my faith and hope to my beautiful, incredible wife, who is amazing, I would be in trouble. I pin my faith and my hope in Jesus Christ and His promises that He's laid out for my life. He's laid out for who I am and the reality that God is going to visit me. Joseph said this, surely God will visit you. He didn't say, surely Moses is going to come. He didn't say, surely you guys are going to get sick of Egypt and do a runner. 
He didn't say, listen, surely you're going to raise up and you're going to conquer the Egyptians and you're going to get out of this place. He didn't say that. He said, surely God will visit you. Listen, we're going to know the promises of God. We're going to pin our faith and our hope in those promises and we're going to surely know that the miracles coming in Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 to 36. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Do not cast away your confidence. Listen, if you are like me, you've gone through a moment in your life where there was challenges. If, if you're like me, listen, you may not be like me and you may never gone through a challenge. If that's you in the room, I, I don't like you very much. And I feel like you're lying. Because most of us have faced a challenge. Here the writer of Hebrews says, in the middle of your challenge, don't cast away your confidence. Listen, that word confidence there is a word that speaks about bold confession, bold declaration. The confidence he speaks about is the confession of our mouth and the declaration that we make. Listen, he's not talking about having to shout it. Don't cast away shouting out the promises of God. Listen, sometimes you need to be wise about where you shout out the promises of God because some people are good at shouting down the promises of God when you shout them out. So sometimes you need to be a bit wise about your declarations. God put a promise in you. Be wise about who you come into agreement with, with your promise. Because sometimes you can begin to declare, my, my child right now is an absolute mess, but I see that woman of God rising up to become a powerful woman of God. I see that man of God rising up, becoming a leader in the kingdom of God. I see that grandchild rising up, becoming a leader in the kingdom of God. You made that declaration and some people go, I've seen your child. And they're a rat bag. Listen, David McDonald, 30 years ago, had plenty of people that had seen his child. And when he talked about the great promise that God had given for this life right here, they're like, I've seen that child. Right now, he's doing a great job of leadership in the local church. He's definitely leading a whole bunch of kids out the back door. Definitely doing that so well. That's what their declaration would be. But he had a declaration. And my mom had a declaration. And my mom anointed my pillow every night. My mom prayed over me when I slept. My dad prayed over when I slept. My grandmother prayed over me continually and stood in the gap and agreed and stood there. And they stood on the promises of God for their children and their grandchildren. And they stood in agreement. I stand on the platform today because the promises of great of grandmothers that stood and prayed and prayed and fathers that prayed and mothers that prayed. And they stood and they stood. Listen, when I was a rat, when I was at the back of church heckling, when I was messy, when I wasn't at church at all, when I was messy in my life, they stood and prayed and agreed. And listen, that praying in an agreement is a powerful thing. And they had an understanding that their declaration, they had an understanding that their confidence, they had an understanding as dad continued to have a bold declaration about what would be outworked in my life. Listen, that bold declaration is most powerful when it's in my heart and my mind speaking clearly to my own spirit. That's where it's powerful. Because if that declaration's not speaking, everybody else's declaration about my kids would speak, about my finances would speak, 
about my relationships would speak, about my challenges would speak to me more loud. He says, don't cast away your confidence. Don't cast away your bold declaration of faith. Listen, what, what is your confidence that you need to keep speaking clearly in your life right now that something else is trying to speak into that space? Is it hardship? Is it finances? Is it hurt? Is it what others have done to hurt your life that's speaking to you? And he's saying, don't cast away the confidence that you have in the promises of God that bring breakthrough to your future. This is where our faith stays strong when we can't see the outworking at the end. The confidence we have. What are the promises? I know the promises that are confidently shouting in my spirit when in the natural I can't see the outcomes that I want to see. It's my spirit, man, that's not casting away my confidence, which has the great reward of faith, the great reward for our life. For you have need of endurance, endurance to receive the promise. I hate endurance. I despise patience. But life's filled with it. Life's filled with it. Paul says, run that good race. Listen, we love the good sprint. We love the good sprint because Jesus is meeting my prayers. Ten seconds, boom, I'm done. I'm a, I'm a sprinting machine. Jesus answered my prayers at the end of that sprint. But he says, run the good race. Paul speaks of endurance. Peter speaks of endurance. James speaks of endurance. They all speak of that endurance. And what happens in the endurance of the race is we don't cast away our confidence. We know that the miracle of God is what we need for our life. God's promises are for me. Listen, the enemy's trying to steal your confidence every single day. We give. Last week we sowed. I guarantee there's a bunch of us that God has done great things in our lives as we give, but the enemy's in the other ear going, I'm stealing your confidence. You just gave away money. Now you don't have it. Oh my goodness, that was thousands of dollars. Don't do that. What are you doing? Oh my gosh, I should have kept that money. That's what the enemy's trying to do, trying to steal your confidence. Interest rates are going up. You can't give. Economic crisis is coming. You can't do that. Trying to steal your confidence. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't cast away your confidence. So after you've done the will of God, you will receive the promise. What is the promise? What are you pinning yourself to? Do you believe that God's going to come through because it's God that shows up to make that happen? And the fourth and final one is the one we all hate. Is in the middle of the promises of God. Trust that process. Don't hate the process. That's easy to do. Don't hate the people that are in the midst of the process. Don't hate the time in the middle of the process. Trust the process. Listen, the faith journey is an important journey. Diving down 50 meters, going through water where you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's a process that I'm trusting that this is okay and I've done this before. And this is the process of faith. God, I'm trusting that I keep pressing on when I make a declaration and my business goes the opposite direction. When I'm filled with faith, but my business is not happening the way I want it to happen. 
when my relationship's not going the way I want, when my situation's not going the way I want, when my grandchild, my child, my family life's not going the way I want, I'm trusting that in this process, God is there. Hebrews chapter 10 again, verse 35, Therefore do not cast all your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. Verse 37, For yet a little while. For yet a little while. Notice the writer of Hebrews doesn't say, for yet, here it is, bang, done, promise, awesome, outward. He says, for yet a little while. Uh, Some of us in the room are like, God, your idea of a little while and mine are vastly different. My little while is like Pastor Tim preaches and I say, yes, amen, and walk out and there's thousands of dollars in my bank account. Yeah, that's, that's our little while idea. You notice God's little while idea is different because there's a process that's happening. It's not about the thousands in my bank account. It's about what's going on in that process of faith in my life. So that next time I'm facing challenge, that little while isn't as hard as it was. Next time I'm walking through a, a, a challenge with my kid, listen, I, I'm able to stay in faith so much easier because I can see, God, what you're doing in my child's life already. And, and that little while, yeah, God, I, I needed some little while action for my world because in that little while, God, you're doing something in me. James says, count it all joy because he's growing something in my life. Peter talks about that process of endurances that's added and character's added and this is added. Paul talks about as we walk through it in 2 Corinthians, there's an enlargement and a growth as we go through the challenges of faith because a little while is actually important to what God's doing in me through this journey of faith. God, I'm holding your promises. I know what they are. I know you're gonna come through for me. But in a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now, the just shall live by faith. Don't you love it how the Word of God ties together so powerfully? And the just shall live by faith. It doesn't say the just shall live by everything they can see. It doesn't say the just shall live by everything going easy and it being all good for your life. He says, you just shall live by faith because you walked through for a little while. You endured and you didn't cast away your confidence. You let that confidence be built and established as your confession grows and your confession grows on the promise and your confession grows on what God's already said to you. Your confession grows on what God is doing inside of you as He's building and He's enlarging the people of God. And the just shall live by faith. How do we walk through that journey of faith when we can't see the end? Listen, we're going to know what God's spoken in the end. We're going to know and pin ourselves to it, pin ourselves in our journey. Listen, I speak to, to Christians across this room. Listen, if your step out of this room is to take your Bible this week and begin to open it up and let God speak to now your life and let God actually give you some promises and let God actually start. If that's you, that's God, great, great. Let Him speak, read, let it come as a part of your life. If God's already spoken, pin yourself to something. Pin yourself to His promise. Pin yourself to His Word with an expectation knowing that surely God going to show up no matter what. He's going to show up in this thing. And listen, God, in amongst my little while, I'm trusting that you're with me. I'm trusting the process of what you're doing in me. Trusting me. Because God, I look. 
And I trust in you. And I trust. Holy Spirit of God, let's let's pray. We thank you for the great promises you have for our lives. And we trust in you. We trust in you through our little whiles. We trust in you through our Joseph moments where we're pinning our bones to your promise. We're trusting in you, trusting where you're taking us, trusting even though things are are, are being stripped off our life, even things are being peeled away. We're trusting you even though while we wait, we're trusting in you. Even though while we're going through moments, we're trusting in you. Trusting in the great promises of God for our life, for our future, for where we walk today. And we thank you, Jesus. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed here in this moment. Maybe in this room and you you haven't pinned your trust in Jesus. Maybe you've been in church. You've been around the house of God. You've been around the things of God. Maybe there's moments of distraction that have come and you've just been caught up in life. I feel like maybe you lost that confidence. I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus wants to meet with you right now in this moment. Maybe you've never known Christ before, never walked with Him. If you're in this room and you're like that, and you're saying, I want to renew my walk with God, right in your seat, I want to pray for you. I'd love you to give me a, a wave and say, Pastor Tim, can you pray for me? I want to just let my my trust and my confidence spring afresh. Quickly this morning, this is a moment just for you. This this moment, this is is an incredible moment in our service. Just give me a wave, Pastor Tim. I need that that confidence spring again. Will you pray for me? Pray for me, Pastor Tim. Is there anyone like that this morning? Awesome, up the back, that's great. Up the back, that's awesome, you too. Who will join those two this morning? I want my confidence back. I want to come back in a relationship with Christ. Quickly this morning. It's a great moment for you. My God, I thank you right now for those two, where they sit. Holy Spirit, you've already started a work in their hearts. You've started a work in their spirits right now. God, we thank you in their seats that you would begin to move afresh in those hearts and in those lives with your grace and with your love. God, as they lifted their hand, God, it wasn't just a hand. It was a life opening to you. It was opening again to your truth. It was an opening again to your promise. It was an opening again to your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, right now, meet with them today. Meet right there in their seat. Touch those hearts. Touch those lives. Touch them by your Spirit right now. Let that confidence spring again confidence of your grace, the confidence of your mercy, spring again in their hearts and in their lives today, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. My God, I pray over every one of us this morning. God, I thank you that our confidence is stretching into you. God, these last months, we've been talking through faith and and the power of faith and what it means for our lives through circumstance, through challenge, holding promises, knowing those promises. God, I pray that even today that you're reestablishing in people's hearts in this room this morning. My God, men and women, as we're stirred again, we're stirred again, we're reminded today, we're reminded of the promises of God. We're reminded that even though the little wild moments come, God, you're at work. God, you're at work. Thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you this morning. We wouldn't cast away our confidence.
and stay assured in the great Word that You've spoken into our lives, into our families, over our kids, over our futures, over our grandkids, over our financial world, over our business, over our job, over our workplace, over every area of our life, Jesus. We thank You for that this morning. We praise You in Jesus' name. And all that agreed said, I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.